Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Evening everyone. How's everyone doing? Um, as Robbie said, we're, we're just carrying on, cracking on with our series on the practice tonight. If you've been following along, we hope you've been finding life in it. Um, not just, as we said previously, not just in hearing the words, but actually, and hopefully, and actually putting some of these practices into, into practice <laughs> in your life and you're finding it. The reason, the reason why we've been doing this, and I suppose just to, to stress this once again, is that our goal as disciples of Jesus, because that is what we are. So Robbie, as he was saying um, at the start, 91 young people um, making a decision for Jesus. They've stepped into a relationship with Jesus, and at this moment, they're now stepping into a journey. It's a journey of being a disciple, of becoming more and more and more like Jesus each and every day. And it's, it's what we are so passionate about is that for all of us, that we would just become more and more like Christ. You know that if you've been around Lurgan, uh, one of the things which we've been emphasizing now and again is just our understanding, our definition of what discipleship actually is and what it means. And, uh, and we've simply defined it as this, following Jesus in all of life. This is what we mean by discipleship. Why don't we, why don't we say this together a couple of times? Because I think this is important that we get this in our heads. So after two, we'll say this on the screen, ready? After two, one, two, follow. Following Jesus in all of life. Let's say it again. One, two. Following Jesus in all of life. Because as disciples of Jesus, this is what we understand by discipleship. We are following the ways of our rabbi, Jesus, our teacher. We are following him. We want to grow in Christ-likeness and we want to become like him. And this is why we've recognized that there are certain practices, there are certain habits that we can embed into our lives daily that help us to grow more like Jesus, which is which is great, it's what we want. Similarly, we understand that there are certain things, there are certain practices in our lives which can pull us away from Christ, which can mean that it deters us from, from growing like Jesus. And so some of those things we want to try and avoid. But it's beautiful, this reality that as we follow Jesus, as we try to follow his examples and we lean into him, we can become like him. One of the quotes which we've used throughout this series has been that of Dallas Willard, and it says this, we can, through faith and grace, become like Christ by practicing the types of activities he engaged in, by arranging our whole lives around the activities he himself practiced in order to remain constantly at home in the fellowship of the Father. And we, we recognize, listen, this series in no way is going to cover every single practice that you could go after or do or embed in your life to become more like Christ. There are many of you who are doing and practicing certain things and certain rhythms in your life that are helping you to develop and grow and become more like Jesus. Keep doing that. Keep going after it. And do you know what? Share it with people. If there are things in your life that you find is a, is a success for you, it's just bringing you real life, then show that because that's part of how we help one another. One of the, the things that Robbie was just praying there was just about this reality that one day we will be we will be standing before Jesus when all things will be redeemed and will be restored. I, I've I've been reading this book, just started to read it the morning in the first two or three chapters of it, but it's a book by um, by this guy Aaron Nyquist. I think that's how you pronounce his name, but it's called The Eternal Current. And what what he what he talks about in this book 
Um, it's a great book. You, sh you should get this. I'm going to reference a couple of books tonight. But it, in this book, he, he makes reference of this idea that there has, been a, there has been a current, there has been a river that has been flowing from the beginning of time that one day ultimately will end up with the restoration of all things. And this current, this river that has been flowing from the beginning of time is what we know as the kingdom of heaven. It was Jesus' main message while he was here on earth. And in his book, he says this. I love these words. He says, you and I have been invited to swim with this eternal current for the sake of the world. Jesus didn't merely invite us to believe about the river. He didn't say, here is the truth, believe me. Listen to this. He declared, I am the truth. Follow me. Beliefs are important, but they're not nearly enough. The invitation is to wade into the river and to swim. More than just a belief, but it's something that actually we practice and we start to experience in our life. And it's an invitation that's for all of us to step in and to experience him and to know him. Not only to know, but to become like him. And, uh, and this is why we want to do this. This is why Jesus said that it was much more than just head knowledge. This is what sometimes happens is that for many believers, for many Christians in their lives, they simply try, they've reduced their understanding of their relationship with God by trying to work them out in their minds, trying to be able to put God into a box. Jesus said that there was something of the kingdom of heaven that was at hand. This was the words that he used when he began his ministry here on earth. Something for us tangibly to experience right now here in this life. Again, this guy, Arniquis, simply says this. He says, uh, though, be, though, sorry, though, though I had been a Christian since childhood, I missed out on the passion, meaning, peace, and power of eternal life. I traded the richness of swimming in the river for the dry riverbank of religion. Sometimes we can so easily get caught up in religious practices where we, we think, again, we just try to work God out, try to rationalize him. But there's something of an experience. And one of the things I just wanted to say at the outset just before we start in tonight is simply this. That throughout history, there have been many great encounters with God that people have experienced. Some of these practices that we're looking at in this series have been brilliant ways, have been brilliant tools, brilliant keys in people's hands that have allowed them to be able to experience God. One of the things that happens, though, is that particularly in our denominations and our churches is that we, we don't recognize the big river that's been flowing from the beginning of time, which is the kingdom of heaven. We just see our little pool that we find ourselves in in our church. And what generally happens is that we think that we in our pool are the only ones that's got it all right. We think that anyone in a different pool has got it all wrong and that it's all just about our things. One of the things I would just love to really encourage you is this, is that while sometimes we can recognize that there are certain things that we don't hold to in other people and what they believe, we dare not miss the gold and the great things that the Holy Spirit has been unpacking and revealing throughout the ages of time that people have been experiencing God. And one of the verses just has been impressed in my heart this week, just even as it's been leading up to this, is simply this. And this is what I just want to just simply pray tonight as we go into this. Tonight we're going to be looking, and uh, we can't really disagree with any of the things we're going to be speaking on tonight. We're going to be looking at Sabbath, um, which we're going to see has been a creational mandate for all of us. But this verse I love in Philippians, chapter 4 and this is for all of us tonight this is our prayer finally brothers whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely 
whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Guys, this is about us, not just about us and our wee box and our wee pond. This is about us recognizing that with all of these practices, whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is honorable, we want to think about these things. And tonight, Holy Spirit, we just pray that even as we reflect on further practices tonight and further in this series, would you just continue to bring life? We want to, we want to focus on what is pure and honorable and just. Jesus, bring us the life that you desire, fullness of life. Tonight, we're going to be looking, as I said, about this beautiful practice, which is Sabbath. This is a practice that um, has been embedded in creation. We're going to be looking tonight um, quite a bit at Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, just for a little while, and then we're going to just, you've got sheets on your seat we're going to be coming to later where we're actually going to practically step out how you practice the rhythm of Sabbath in your life, because hopefully by the end of me being able to share this, you will see just how life-giving this practice of Sabbath is for you and can be for you, and the life, the fullness of life that the Father has for you as you practice it. What has happened, though, is that some Sometimes in our society, we've just missed the point of it. Sometimes when it has been practiced, it has been practiced in such a legalistic way that we've just completely missed it altogether. And, uh, and yet there's something that is just so life-giving in this. One of the things we just want to see with this, just before we start in, is just to reflect a little bit on where we have been previously in some of our morning series. So many of us in the room are from Lurgan and from Portadown uh, churches. And one of the themes that we've been on has been this theme of unfailed vases. Uh, and in both churches, what we've been really trying to address with this and to press into has been this idea that as we behold the glory of God, Paul says this to the church in Corinth, as we behold the glory of God, as we glimpse on his glory, as we glimpse on his holiness, and we get a fresh glimpse and an understanding of who he really is, this is what happens for us. We start to be transformed, it says here, into, listen to this word, the same image. Right? This is what happens to us in our lives as we gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and we have a fresh glimpse and understanding of his glory and his majesty. We start to be transformed into his image. And here's the thing. This is tonight where we're going back again to the very beginning of time in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. This language in itself is completely redemptive. There's something completely redeeming about this. This word redemption. We've sang about the cross tonight and all that Jesus has won for us in our lives. But here's the thing. We dare not miss as believers. Jesus did not just die on the cross so that we could get our ticket to heaven and to feel good about ourselves until we get to meet him face to face. Jesus has redeemed us and is redeeming us and is restoring all things. I love this quote as well. It's by this guy, Aaron Nyquist. He says this, if the goal is getting our souls to heaven, then every part, and then let's take the word Christ out of it then, then every part of the axiom life is secondary. Discipleship becomes optional. Mission and community become mere add-ons. But redemption, what we need to realize is that from Genesis 3, uh, what we see in Genesis 3.15, the very first mention of Messiah, God has been working to restore, this is the beautiful thing, restoring all things to the original design. Right? This is the whole point of redemption, restoring all things to the original design. We're going to be looking at the original design tonight. Again, we've looked a little bit about this in Lurgan um, over the last number of mornings that I've been on. But part of the original design, before we begin to look at Sabbath, part of the original design which we are being redeemed to is this. We are image bearers. So where Paul says, as we gaze upon the beauty of God, 
and the majesty of who he is. We're being transformed into that same image. What is actually happening is that we are being redeemed and restored to what we originally were designed to be, image bearers of God. This is what was placed upon every human being. When God created male and female, he created them in his image. He created them. And we were image bearers. This word we've looked at in Lurgan is the word for, for image. is the word salem. It's a Hebrew word, and it means image. It means idol, and it means statues. But this idea of a statue, it is a visible representation of an invisible God. And this is what God calls us as human beings, his statues. We are his image bearers. We reveal him to creation. This has been what has been the very mandate that has been upon us. We are being restored back into his image. And that's why our key verse for this series on the practice has simply been this. This is why we believe this. These words of Peter, you may participate in the divine nature because this is who you were created to be. Image bearers of God. This is not something that is heresy. This is what was your original design upon you. And this is what Jesus is restoring us to. But Adam and Eve, these image bearers of God, in Genesis chapter 2, we're told this. And just very briefly, and then we're going to go to look at Sabbath. Adam and Eve, in Genesis chapter 2, were placed in the garden to do two things. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, we're told this. They were told to work it, and they were told to take care of it. Now, this is really important because for everybody in the room, this is the creational mandate that was placed upon human beings. So for every person in the room, all of us are humans who are now in a relationship with Jesus. This is what we're being redeemed and restored to do, to take part in what God had originally designed for us. The word for work that we see here is this word abad. It means work or it's service. So we carry out a service to God, service to people or service to the earth. We work, right? We take care. But the, sorry, this word for take care of was this word shamar, which means to cultivate, to develop or to draw out something's potential. This is the thing that is really crucial for us to get our heads around. When Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden of Eden, we read about this, I think it's in Genesis chapter 2, verses 9 to 15. The whole language and the whole imagery that's used for the Garden of Eden is that it was full of raw potential. There's this whole list of raw resources that is mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, 9 to 15. Adam and Eve were not planted in a lovely, pristine garden and given a lovely ride on lawnmower and said to take care of it and just to get on with things. They were told to cultivate the earth. They were told to draw out the potential of creation. And this is what we are called to be. So your work that you do each and every day, this is the life-giving thing that Jesus has restored you into, that you can now bring beauty of, into the world. You can now draw out the potential of the world that God has created. You can draw out potential of the people that you engage with each and every day, the very plans and purposes that God has set upon the people that you do life with every day. You can draw out the potential that you see as image bearers of God. This is who you've been called to be, those who work. We are made in his image. God worked, therefore we work. We do this all for the glory of who he is. We take care. And uh, this is what it means. This word, we, we co-partner with God. This is what we've been redeemed to do. We co-partner with him. I love um, this, this other book that I would just re recommend for you to get. It's a book called Garden City. I'm going to take a couple of quotes out of it tonight on Sabbath. It's by a guy called John Mark Comer. But I love this quote that he uses. He says, here's what you have to understand. The garden was dynamic, not static. Put another way, creation was a project, not a product. 
The garden was designed to go somewhere. God's vision was for the order and artistry and beauty of Eden to spread out over the whole earth. And human was the one entrusted with the job to fill the earth with the garden's reality. This is what we've been entrusted to do. So in the beginning, we see God, who we're created to mirror and to be like working. But the creation story doesn't stop there. And that's where we pick it up just for a few moments tonight. In Genesis chapter 2, this is what it says. And if you have your Bibles, you can underline some of the things as we go through this. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Again, as image bearers of God, as those who have been made in his image, here's simply the two things. As humans, as those now saved by Jesus, being redeemed and being transformed into his likeness in an ever-increasing way, here's what we need to be practicing more and more and more each and every day. We need to be working. That word abad, by the way, I should have said that word abad, that Hebrew word for work is also the word for worship. It's a Hebrew word for worship. So even with your work, how you work is how you worship each and every day. Your attitude to your work is part of your worship. So while it's great to be here and to raise your hands and to sing praises, the very posture of your heart is your worship because you recognize that you're co-partnering with God as you do it. So God worked. We see it in days one to six of creation. He was just constantly creating. And, uh, and at the end of each of the days, he was saying it was good. But then in day seven, what we we're told, we've just read it, was that God rested. So as image bearers, those made in his image, we should rest. And tonight we're going to look at why that is important. So for the workaholics in the room tonight, you might find yourself a wee bit screamish tonight. Um, you might find yourself a little bit uncomfortable and challenged in this, but I'm hoping that you see the life and the beauty in these words uh, as we press into it. The word for rested that we see here is this word Shabbat. It's where we get the word Sabbath, and this is what it means to stop, to cease, or to be complete. The other beautiful thing about this word Sabbath, this is also what it means. It also means to celebrate, right? So in the practice of Sabbath, there's something of celebration. When the Jews practice Sabbath, we read about this and we have an understanding of this. When the Jews practice Sabbath, they did it and they still do it in such a way that it led to this word that was called manure. It's probably the, totally the wrong pronunciation of it, but it's simply this word manure and it means rest. But this type of rest, they did it in such a way that this type of rest was a restfulness that leads to celebration. It was often translated as, as happiness. And here, here's the thing. The Jews believe that this idea of manure or happiness is something that you create. If it was to define it in a different way, this is simply the word I would say. This type of happiness, this type of celebration that you can practice in your life is something that you choose. Right? It's about you creating it, but it's, it's your choice for you to choose to live into this in your life. It's my choice for me to choose to live into. It's something that I can create. Sabbath, therefore, is something which is much more than stopping, stopping from work or lying in bed resting and having a good, a good chill out. It's about, I love, I love this language, Sabbath is cultivating an environment, an atmosphere to enjoy your life, your world, and your God. 
This beautiful Sabbath is about creating or cultivating an environment and atmosphere to enjoy your life, your world, and your God. There's this quote about Sabbath, um, and it's, uh, it was in the New York Times in 2003, and it said this, Most people mistakenly believe that all you have to do to stop working is not work. The inventors of the Sabbath understood that it was a much more complicated undertaking. You cannot downshift casually and easily. This is why Jewish and Puritan Sabbaths were so exactly intentional. The rules did not exist to torture the faithful. Interpreting the ceaseless round of striving requires a surprisingly strenuous act of will, one that has to be bolstered by habit as well as by social sanction. That idea of habit, there's something that has to be practiced if we're going to live into. The Sabbath, therefore, is a time to be fully alive. That's the first thing I want to say. Sabbath is a time, when we talk about this word Sabbath, it's an opportunity for you. I don't know if we feel like this in the room tonight, but it's an opportunity for you to feel fully alive. It's an opportunity for you to celebrate being part of the created world. It's a time to be fully present with family and friends, to down whatever work tools you normally use. It's a, it's a day, it's a moment to, to, to stop creating and to simply just be. It isn't a day to get more, but it's a day to enjoy what you already have. It is a day to just truly rest, to totally rest. And two things just to point out with us, two or three things, sorry, just to point out with us, and then we're going to look at the practice. Here's the beauty that we see in this passage in Genesis chapter 2 that you have open. Two of the things that are mentioned about Sabbath that are crucial for us to get an understanding of. And it firstly says this, God bless this day. It's the first thing I'll say. So in Genesis chapter 2, we're told this, God bless the seventh day. The interesting thing is that the word for blessing that's used here in this reference is this word barak. We've used this in terms of our worship where it's about bowing down as well. But this word barak was used for blessing. And in, in the creation, in the creation narrative, we're told that God blessed three things. The three things that he blessed were simply this. Firstly, he blessed the living creatures. And he said this, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth was the direction that was given. This was the filling. The second thing that he blessed then was humanity, human beings. And the same direction was given in terms of the blessing. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. Here's the thing that God does when he blesses in creation. It's filling it with something. The whole idea when God created the world at the beginning, it was empty. And the, there, was, there, was a, there was an emptiness in each of the things that he had made in days one to three. And in days four to six, he starts to fill it up. And so with the living creatures and with the human beings, this is the blessing that's put upon them. Be fruitful and multiply and fill, fill the emptiness. And here's the final thing that he blesses is the seventh day. Again, this word barak that is used. So here's the thing that you need to know about Sabbath. God's heart through Sabbath is that it would fill you with life. That's what it means to be blessed. This day was blessed so that you could be filled with life in your very being. The second thing about this rest is life-giving as an understanding force is this. God said that it was holy. God made this day holy. The word that's used for holiness here is this word kadosh. Again, I'm probably totally pronouncing it wrong. It's usually a word that's used for God. God is holy, isn't he? We believe that. God is kadosh. God is holy. But the interesting thing, right, is that the first time that we hear this word mentioned is here. In, in Jewish tradition, the rabbis would have had this belief or this understanding. There was this principle that was used. It was called the principle of first mentions, 
whereby Jewish rabbis would hold to the thought that the first time a word was used, it was almost like setting a definition for that word, or it was setting a framework or a knowledge of understanding, so that each time that word was used in Scripture again, you had an understanding or a definition to be able to look at it from. The first time God uses this word holy, or kadosh, the first thing he ever calls holy is this, time. Time is holy. So when we talk about practices, about how we become more like Christ and how we increase in our spirituality, do you know what? Spirituality, if you want to, be, if you want to look at something with, with Jesus' eyes, it is how you redeem time. Time is holy. God created this as a holy thing. And this seventh day itself, God looked at it and he said that this day was holy. There's something in this about how we practice it, that it leads to rest and it leads to life, but there's a holy moment where we honor and we worship God for it. It's way, way, way more than just a day off. It's way, way, way more than just simply just chilling out, as I said. It's a time when we actually just get to worship God for who he is. But finally, Sabbath, well, it's a day of rest and it's a day for worship. Sabbath is just finally this. Sabbath is a day that is just a declaration of freedom. We, we love to come in and sing songs about how we're free. And it's brilliant. And at those moments, I know about you, but there's moments that you just you want to be punching the air and celebrating. And uh, when you want to be jumping up and down because it's truth. We declare it, it's freedom. The very reason why God had embedded this day in creation, because even through this, it was a moment to be able to declare freedom. In the book of Deuteronomy, we read these words. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 to 15, he says this, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the Sabbath day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or your female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, or any foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were, listen to this, remember that you once were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. There's something about this day that God ties Sabbath to freedom from slavery. One of the things which can so easily happen for many of us is that we just become enslaved to work. While we've been created to work, what can so easily happen is that we become enslaved to work. There are certain things that almost become like masters, slave masters with our work, like people's expectations. It might be a boss or an employer who is maybe treating you unfairly. It might even be your own ability or inability to say no. There's a people-pleasing mentality within you. And many of these things keep people enslaved to work. It might even just be an addiction to work that people have. And this is a moment through Sabbath that you have an opportunity to declare this one thing. You are free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. The Bible says, therefore, don't, don't tie yourself up to slavery in any way. And sometimes we can look at sinful things we think of in that way, but sometimes it's even with our attitude and our mindset to how we live our lives in this way. What way do you feel about work? How do you feel about your work and the things you do every day? Is there something within you that it almost becomes like an unhealthy obsession 
of your work that you feel like you can't switch off. Sabbath is a moment for you to be free from that thought. It's a moment for you to practice living fully. It's a moment for you to rest fully in God. It's why God, even when he was given the Ten Commandments, he wanted to make sure that we obeyed this. And have you ever noticed that sometimes in your life, I don't know about you, but I know it for myself, when you don't practice Sabbath, so when you don't rest, have you ever noticed what happens in your life? Anyone ever felt like sometimes where you just start to feel really fatigued or burnt out and you start to get angry really easily? You start to, to lose the temper really quickly? You start to get anxious? Sometimes it can even lead to, lead to depression. Loss. There's a loss in your life simply because we don't practice a rhythm that God has given as an example for us to use. Sabbath is something that is life-giving for you. This is an invitation tonight. Listen, when I'm saying all of this, none of this is said in condemnation because I struggle to do this sometimes. I'm holding my hand up. It's guilty of this. But this is an invitation for all of us tonight. This fullness of life that Jesus says he has for us. It's the, the thief's purpose to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said he's come that you might have life and have it in the fullest way possible. This is an invitation for all of us tonight as we start to look now about how we could practice this to start building rhythms into our life that can lead to fullness of life for us. That allows us to recover, that allows us to rest, that allows us to worship, and allows us in these moments to declare we are free. And to enjoy that freedom. Just two other quotes and then we're going to look at the sheets on your seats. It says this, the purpose of Sabbath is not simply to rejuvenate yourself in order to do more production. Nor is it the pursuit of pleasure. The purpose of Sabbath is to enjoy your God, life in general, what you have accomplished in the world through his help. And the freedom you have in the gospel. The freedom from slavery to any material object or human expectation. The Sabbath is a sign of the hope that we have in the world to come. And then finally, this I love this one with John Mark Comer. This, this, is, this is true words being spoken, right? So if you hear this tonight, hear, hear this one quote. I love the first part of this. You can skip the Sabbath. It's not a sin, but it's just stupid. I love that, right? You can skip the Sabbath. It's not a sin, but it's just stupid. I need to speak to myself. If I'm not... If I'm not embedding this into my life, I'm just being stupid. The point is that there is a way, there is a way the, creator, the creator set creation up to thrive. A way that God set you up to thrive. And when we Sabbath, we tap into God's rhythm for humans flourishing. So all of this being said is that tonight, I just feel that in the last five, ten minutes with the sheets that are on your, your seats, if you lift them up, I would love us just to look and just... As we invite the Holy Spirit to speak, and honestly, as we reflect on these things, I would love you to start asking yourself, do you desire this type of life for yourself? You don't need to put your hand up for this, but are there, if there's people in the room tonight, and some of the words that I said earlier, there's some people in the room tonight where you feel tired, you feel fatigued, you feel burnt out, even as you've been sitting tonight listening to this, some of the thoughts have been going through your mind about some of the things you've got to do this week. Maybe even when you go home tonight. 
you're feeling completely burnt out at the moment, there's anxious thoughts. And tonight, this is just simply an invitation for all of us that it's fullness of life that Jesus has for us. What I have in the sheet for you tonight is just some practical steps. You see the quotes at the, the top of this. So if you look at the sheet where it says Sabbath, and there's the two quotes we had on the screen. Important components of Sabbath, we're simply saying is this, is rest, worship, and freedom, as we've just looked at. One of the things about rest, Phil always mentions this, and I think it's really crucial, even when we read in the creation story. So here's another thing for you. Sleep is important. When we read in the creation story and God references days, it says this, evening and morning came the first day. It doesn't say day and night, but it talks about night first. And it's really important that we work out of rest. The first thing that you should be doing with your day is your rest, is your sleep. So actually, when you go home and you sleep tonight, that's the first thing you're going to do in your day. The first thing you'll do in your day is not what you get up and do tomorrow morning. The first thing you do with your day is what you do tonight. So how are you going to choose to start your day tonight when you go home? Because rest is important for us, all right? Phil gave me that one before, so that's one for free for all of us tonight, all right? Rest, worship, and freedom. Practicing Sabbath. These things, I was just as I was reading, some of these are from R.T. Kendall. Some of them are from um, Purpose Driven Life. Rick Warren. There we go, Rick Warren. So, um, one of the things from Andrew Wigglesworth as well, thrown in here. Um, some of the mixtures. These are just some practices, some different ways of being able to look at Sabbath. We're going to stop at If you have a pen with you tonight, we're going to just take a moment, just a couple of minutes, just to be still and allow you just to reflect on some of these and to answer some of these truthfully for yourself about how you actually do it. But practicing Sabbath. So as, as we look at these, we're just going through, there's just seven of them. But the first thing just to simply say as we practice Sabbath is, is this. Take some time for sheer inactivity. Most people need some time each week that is unplanned and unstructured, right? That's the first point of this. Do you know why sometimes it just seems to be that because life's so busy, just like your life is just full of plans, just trying to get things done and things ticked off. What you need sometimes in your life to be able to live freely and lightly is just some space and some time where it is just unplanned and unstructured. Where is the white margins and the space in your life? And here's the thing that I would really encourage you with tonight with this, is the reason why you need to have white space and margins in your life is because God is drawn to space. That is where the unexpected can happen in our life. It's where the Holy Spirit can move in freedom. Because sometimes when you just, you ever notice that sometimes that something has, a thought has come into your mind, maybe that you feel as God, maybe it's to do something, but you think, first thought you think to yourself is, I don't have time. Have you ever noticed that? I don't have time. And because we just, we fill our diaries. <laughs> We just max ourselves out. Leave space just for the unexpected. So take some time for sheer inactivity. And do you know what? Sometimes that's just where you just do something like you just, just the stuff you just feel like doing. Just stuff for the moment where you just actually can, can feel free in that moment. That one you can't plan for, so we're not going to take time to write anything on that. Second one is this, and this is where you know that this, this, these aren't my words and this is someone else because I've never heard of this word in my life. Take some time for avocational activity. There we go. Okay, avocational activity. And three things that it mentions in it for this. An avocation, it says, is something that is sheer pleasure to you. 
but that does require some intentionality and for you to plan it into the structure of particularly how you Sabbath. So first thing we look at is this. And some of this is even by the practices that we've been looking at. So some of the contemplative practices that Al brought you through, like contemplative prayer, the Abba prayer, the examine that we looked at last week. Some of these ideas of contemplative practices are things that you would build in because prayer and worship are a significant part of how you refresh yourself. And it means that you're saying no more to the exhaustive, exhaustive patterns of your life. Sometimes it works. So contemplative rest is important. The next one is just, secondly, is just simply this. We need some recreational rest in your life. So what I want you to do, just, let's just take 30 seconds. What are some of the recreational things in your life that you enjoy? If I was to ask you tonight, what are some things that you enjoy for recreation? Take a moment and think and write some things down. Some of you might be going to the gym, might be going for a run, might be going for a walk, might be some certain hobbies that you have. If you have a pen, scribble some of these things down. Because what I would love you to do is to take this away and reflect on it. If you don't have a pen, I'm going to say the thing that I, I hate saying. Take out your phone and write it in if you want. It's good just to take some notes on this just as we go through it. How do you recreate? You know that better than anyone for yourself. final thing I would say on that one is just be careful and make sure that you do something that refreshes you when we talk about recreation. Sometimes you can think that, so I can think to myself, right, if I'm going to recreate, I've heard that some people go for like 10 mile runs, so I'll try that. That would absolutely kill me. I don't think it would refresh me. It would probably kill me, so I'll not put that one in my box for recreation. All right, there would be some other things that I could put in there. And then finally, it is this one, um, the aesthetic rest. God, when he looked at the end of each day of creation, has said that he looked at it and saw that it was good. It was pleasing to the eye. What are some of the things that you do that bring life to you, that, um, that are, brings energy to you, even as you go outside, as you're, it may be outdoor things, as you're out in nature. It may be even like some things like art and music and things like this, things that are just aesthetically pleasing to you. Some of you, it might be that you just love going up the mountains. Some people love time up the mountains. It might just be as you are by water. There are certain things that are just aesthetically pleasing to you and bring you life. You could be noting something down on that. Number three in this is this one's a really important one. Consider whether you are an introvert or an extrovert. All right, let, let's, let's do an experiment on this one. Hands up if you would consider yourself to be an introvert in the room tonight. All the introverts are a bit, a bit embarrassed about their hands up with this one. <laughs> Hands up if you then if you consider to be extrovert in the room tonight. The thing that I would say is just really important that you define who you are because how you rest as an introvert and an extrovert is completely different. Introverts by nature need times of solitude, right? They need to get alone to be able to rest. Extroverts love to rest by being around people, right? By being with other people. I, I recognize this. I remember... Um, it was about a couple of years ago, Laura and I were having a conversation and it was just the end of a busy week and I said that I was going to hang out with someone and Laura said this, she said, Dave, for goodness sake, when are you going to rest? And for me, that is rest because I'm an extrovert by nature. I love being around people. For Laura, she's an introvert. She just loves getting time on her own. Uh, that's how she rests. What I would say to you is do not copy the way someone else Sabbaths because they might be an introvert and you might be an extrovert. What is something that is specific to you? How you rest and how you recreate. So 
if you're an introvert, enjoy your time alone and getting some time on your own. And then number four, and then we're going to just do some work on these last few just before we finish. Don't necessarily count family time as Sabbath time. R.T. Kendall says this, and this one's probably important. It says family time is important, but parents need to be very careful that they don't let all of their regular Sabbath time be taken up with parental responsibilities. Introverts especially will need time away from the kids. Sometimes that's harder, particularly when you've got small kids, isn't it, to be able to do. But just make sure that when you come, as we come to look at right now, how we plan Sabbath, make sure you're getting some time for your room. These last three from, from Rick Warren, and there's a couple other bits put in, are just how we practically are going to just uh, model out Sabbath in your life. And so what we're going to do, we're going to give some space in this one. If you definitely have a pen or if you're going to take some time in your, on your phone just to take down some notes, what we're going to look at is about how we practice Sabbath daily, weekly, and annually, right? How we actually embed these rhythms in our life. And this is an invitation to each of us. And what I would love you to do is, even as you go away tonight, is to pray about these things. And intentionally, each week, make a choice. Remember we said that about the Jews believed this, about this idea of, idea of manure, this idea of happiness, that it was your responsibility. You could create it. You could choose it. And so this is a choice for you. And so the first thing we're going to look at is just simply this, divert daily, what it means to divert. And to do that, we have uh, these four quadrants. You'll see in the screen, it's probably easier to see. But uh, the first letters are all in red, so we have, this spells the word pies. And, uh, and what we would be saying is each day that you'd be taking a slice of this pie, because there's certain things that you can do that helps you to rest and to recreate. So some of them will be physical, some of them will be intellectual, some will be emotional or spiritual, and some will be social. So for your physical, it could be exercise, it could be rest. For intellectual, it could be reading, it could be having a stimulating conversation with someone. It could be listening to a podcast or, or, or something that is just that bit more um, for the mind for you. For some of you, when it comes to emotional or spiritual uh, recreation, it could be just being in a quiet space. It could, as we said, being with other people. Um, per personal devotion, time with your spouse. These are things that are just where you're being tender with your soul, how you care for yourself. And then finally, socially. Who are the people in your life that just bring you life? Who are the people in your life that just, when you spend time with them, you feel energized being with them? And what are some of the things that you like doing in a social capacity that bring you life as well? Because those things are really important. What we're going to do, we're just, I'm going to give about three or four minutes of this one because I think it's really important that you understand this for yourself. And what I want you to do, guys, can we even just put on some music at the back, Matty? Is that all right? We're just going to put on just some music quietly in the background. And I would love you to take some time just on your own. Remember, Sabbath is specific for you. So you're not going to learn from the person next to you. And just on your own, I would just love you to fill this out. How would you practice a rhythm of rest? How would you recreate personally for yourself in each of these four areas? Because this is something we're going to look at that you have an opportunity to be able to practice on a daily basis. So let's, let's just take a moment, can we, with your sheets? Let's just fill these out. And, uh, and let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak. You might get uh, maybe two or three things in each of the squares. It'd be good if you could. Just take some space just to fill this out. All right, so some of you will have a few things written down on in each of these areas. And uh, one of the things that's really good with this, that we have an understanding that you might have several things now that you've written down, is that daily you have different options about how you recreate 
about how you find life and rest for yourself, you'll see then that there's an understanding that it's not just one or two things, but hopefully by doing this, you have several different options about how you find life and how you recreate. What we would just be encouraging you just daily be practicing this just very simply. There are certain things that you're just building into your life in a daily practice where possible that's just bringing you life. The second thing, or number seven on your sheet, I think it is, and this is the last thing just to really um, spend time on. Sorry, number six is this idea of withdrawal weekly. Very, very briefly, I would simply say this. You know your diary. Where we miss the mark with this one, I feel, is that we make something specific of a day. So, I know for me, being brought up, it was all about a Sunday. Remember the Lord's Day and keep it holy. The Lord's Day for me, this idea of Sabbath, is about how we practice this life-giving rhythm that brings you life, that allows you to worship God, that allows you to declare your freedom in Christ. For some of you, it will be a Sunday. For some of you, it cannot be a Sunday. And what I want to just ask is, where can you practice this rhythm of a 24-hour period in your life where you can just build a rhythm of this? So for me, let me just explain this. For me, I, I've started to try and do this over the last last number of weeks particularly. But so for example, even yesterday or over the weekend, my, my, my Sabbath was from... Friday when uh, Friday lunchtime I had a few meetings with people I went and visited a few people on Friday morning in church and people say is that not your day off and it's like well it is but I'm still going to practice my Sabbath straight off the bat of this and so on Friday afternoon I picked the kids up at 2 o'clock from school I practiced Sabbath through until tea time last night and I didn't do any work I just got to enjoy life and recreate I spent time with God. I spent time with family. I did stuff that brought me life. I felt refreshed in it. So even as I started back into work last night, even for tonight, I felt energized by practicing Sabbath and bedding it in. Now, I'm saying that I don't do it every week. I'm not saying that that's a sin that I don't do it every week, but the weeks that I don't do it, I think I reckon that I'm just stupid because <laughs> I miss out on the life that I would have. What I would just simply ask you, and this one's for you to take away. Guys, maybe you just want to come up and we'll just finish with a song. Can we do that, sir? Um, but as, as we finish this, what I would love you to do is you take this away. That Number seven on the sheet is looking about your annual rhythms with things like holidays, how you just can take a prolonged period of Sabbath. For number six for you, what I would love you to do tonight as you take this away, I would love you to be asking yourself, where do you, on a week, practice Sabbath? That will change from week to week. Again, you're not going to make a religion out of a day. You're not going to make a religion out of a practice. So because I've done it on Friday this week, I'm not going to just think that I have to stick to it on Friday the next week. What I want to do is look at my diary for a week and see where can I Sabbath? Where can I practice it? Where can I practice it in the space of a day? But where can I practice it in the week? And what I would love you to do, just as we finish, we're going to just pray for you. Um, I would just love you to take and recognize that there is life for you here tonight. There's an invitation as you practice this. And all of this was what we're doing in the series. There's an invitation to grow in our Christ-likeness. But as we're seeing is that in the very creational mandate upon all of us, we're image bearers, so we're created to work, but you are created to rest. You need to rest. And for some of you tonight, that is good news. For some of you tonight, that is like a, oh, that's, that's, that's nice to hear that. You have been created to rest. And there's an invitation, as I said, for fullness of life for all of us as we step into this. And what I would love us to do, just can we stand? I would love us just to, to pray and to thank God for this. This is a gift to us in our lives. I would love you just to pray and to say thank you for, for what this can mean for you. I would love you to pray and ask for boldness in your lives, just to actually practice it. 
I think it's really important that you have people around you who can keep you accountable to this one as well because you can so easily just avoid this one, particularly with what our society and culture will tell you. So important as image bearers of God, those created in his likeness. We are those who bring life to creation by the things that we do, by your work. But you need to rest. And it's God's gift to you. And what I would love you to do, why don't you stretch out your hands tonight, can you? And even in your own heart, before I pray, why don't you thank God personally for the gift that he has for you of rest and of Sabbath? Father, we're sorry for the times that we've got this so wrong. But yeah, Father, we recognize that God, from the very beginning of time, this was something that was just so beautiful that you created. God, as we do what you did and we look upon what you've made in the world, we look at it and say it's good. But God, as we look at this very practice and principle of Sabbath, we look at it and say, this is so good. God, thank you that Sabbath gives us an opportunity to rest. Thank you that Sabbath gives us an opportunity in our lives to worship you because it is a holy day. God, thank you that Sabbath gives us an opportunity to declare that we are free in Christ. And so God, I just want to just pray, Lord, for people in the room tonight, God, who might be struggling, God, from, from signs of burnout, of fatigue, of anxiety. God, I just pray, Lord, that you will just give us boldness in our lives to start building these practices and these patterns into our life that allow us to step into the fullness of life that you have for us. God, as your people tonight, we just want to say thank you for the gift that Sabbath is for us. We want to say that we recognize that it is good. And God, would you help us? Help us, God, to be intentional about this. God, each day, would you help us, God, just to be regularly just getting moments just to recreate God, in whatever ways that would be, God, physically, intellectually, emotionally, socially. We just thank you for different ways, God, that you've built within each of us. They're so different, God, within each of us. But, God, I just recognize that there's something personal in each person's life. Thank you, God, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, God, I just pray, Lord, that as we start to build us more and more into our lives, as we intentionally go after it, God, I thank you for the abundance of life that you have for us. God, I thank you how this actually fills us up, God, so that we can be a blessing to other people. God, this is one of those moments, God, that allows us to be filled up to overflow. And so, Holy Spirit, would you lead us in that, we pray. We glorify you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you have redeemed us and you're redeeming all things. And thank you that this is part of your redemption. Restored once more to image bearers, people who carry your very presence and being and yet God people that reflect you and to, to creation and God thank you that we get the chance to do it even through this practice God be glorified in our lives as we do this as an act of worship for you we pray and God even as we worship and sing now we turn our eyes to you again Jesus and just glorify your beautiful name we love you we worship and adore you Father Son Holy Spirit be glorified in our act of worship we pray right now in Jesus name Amen let's worship
We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.